This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're listening to The Church Boys Freefall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys, and I have Bobby Conway on the line, pastor, author, all-around good guy. How you doing today, Bobby? I'm doing good, Billy. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Well, thanks for coming on. We've uh, we've talked in the past, and I've interviewed you before, and I, I think you do really interesting and good work, and, and the newest work you have out is a book, Doubting Toward Faith. And I think... You know, the, the thing that I remember from our, our last interview that really stuck out to me was just the way in which you took scripture and, and took Christian ideals and really helped apply them to the world that Christians are living in today. And I think um, as simple as that sounds, I think a lot of times that doesn't happen with pastors or thought leaders. And you, you do a really good do- job of making those connections. And so I think my my first question for you is really just what is your what is your end goal with this book? I know what your end goal was with your last book, but what are you hoping that the audience takes away from doubting toward faith? Well, we're living in a culture um, that is experiencing massive doubt, and we're not what we once were. We're not sure what we are becoming. And that tension between what we were, what we're becoming, is creating lots of confusion that I believe that is creating doubt in Christians as they see massive change in our culture as the world moves next door. And people are doubting, and I want to be able to help those who are Christians struggling with doubts to be able to doubt out loud so that we can help them to doubt toward faith. I'm not celebrating doubt, Billy. I'm just saying that it's a reality, and if people are going to have their doubts, the Church often hasn't done a good job handling people's doubts, so people end up doubting in silence, or they end up walking away because they get frustrated because maybe their pastors couldn't answer their questions, and they end up feeling like the Church is very superficial. And I think that if Christianity is true, it can handle our toughest objections and toughest questions, and we should be able to... uh, deal with these doubts. The Bible has lots of doubters. It's replete with doubters, and I too have known what it's like to face doubt in my life. Well, you know, I was going to ask you about that, but before I do, I know one of the things you had said to me in an email, and it, and it stuck with me um, when we were talking about setting up this interview, was that America is sort of like a nation without a mission statement. And I thought that was a really interesting statement, and you sort of hinted at what you meant by that, but I wanted to just give you a second to sort of flesh that out a little bit, what exactly you mean there. Yeah, so we are. We're like a nation without a mission statement. And what I mean by that is we don't really have clear direction. I don't think, uh, as a nation, I, I think there's lots of confusion, and I don't sense that the Church is real clear. And what the Church often does is it panders or placates the culture, and uh, much of the wheat will be separated from the chaff uh, during the season. Doubt always precedes apostasy. And so we have to really uh, do a good job as a church uh, figuring out how to navigate uh, this culture that is replete with doubt. Well, and you're seeing now, I mean, it's really fascinating. The Pew study, um, some of the elements of the Pew study that, that really stuck out to me were where the areas of decrease were. You know, there was the, everybody was saying, oh, look, Christianity's dying and faith is dying. Um, but, but the fascinating piece of sort of getting into that data, the, the parts of 
the church that were dying were sort of the mainline denominations, and then Catholicism sort of came second, I think, behind the mainline denominations as far as decreases. And I think, you know, look, we're living in a time where churches are battling one another. You're seeing a lot of churches trying to leave, um, you know, whether it's an Episcopal church or PCUSA, the, over different issues, over theology, over gay marriage, over not even just gay marriage, The I think that's the most popular thing that everybody is obviously talking about, but but over basic tenets of the Bible, whether or not pastors in PCUSA believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, there were some statistics out that were really shocking to me that I think PCUSA had commissioned themselves a few years back, finding that a substantial portion, um, I think, I don't want to, I don't want to be incorrect, I think it might have been around 30% of pastors doubting things like the Trinity. I mean, that's kind of crazy to me in a denomination. So I guess my question after that long rant is, you know, what what do you see sort of happening with this? Because it does seem like there's a lot of splintering going on within the church, not just a national identity crisis, but an identity crisis within the Christian realm as well. Yeah, I've said before, we're splintering the church to death in the name of our pet particularities. And we do need to have some particularities. And I think the Apostles' Creed is a nice place to start, uh, where we have to have some doctrine, but I like to say some people want to be as conservative as they can be about their conservatism, and they inevitably alienate some. I want to be as liberal as I can be about my conservatism without slipping into heresy. Right? Right. I don't want to be a heretic, uh, and much of the doubt that is taking place in the culture, um, it would be people who really never would have believed anyway. Uh, they never really had a passion for Christ, and so when Christianity isn't hip, when Christianity doesn't seem cool, uh, those who aren't real believers, they're not going to want to hang out. And so uh, many of those who were part of the mainline denominations or those who would have been nominal believers are now identifying as the nuns, those without a religious affiliation. But true bona fide believers, uh, if they're going to survive in this culture, uh, they need to be prepared. They need to know it's going to be tough. They need to know that things are changing. And they also need to know that doubt is not a Christian problem. It's a human problem. And in the absentee of certainty, there'll always be room for doubt. The question is, which worldview best closes the doubt gap? And that's where I believe Christianity really begins to walk. Well, and I mean, as a pastor, I know you've never had any doubts, right? I'm <laughs> being sarcastic, obviously. <laughs> um, what, I mean, as a pastor, you're in a tough position for a million reasons. You're in a great position, but a tough one uh, because you have everybody coming to you about their doubts. But but what about you? What what are sort of the issues you face when it comes to doubt, and how have you worked through those? So depending upon what type of church somebody gets into, uh, it will determine once they're a new Christian, perhaps... Um, if they've been set up for a future bout with doubt. So here's what I mean. When I was a Christian, when I became a Christian at 19, I was looking to get two questions answered. What do I do with my guilt? And what's my purpose in life? And I found that answered at the cross through Jesus Christ. But I didn't even really know what questions to ask. And then, again, depending upon what church you, you become a part of, then they'll hand you a list. It might be a short list. It might be a long list. And if it's a real long, tight, narrow, doctrinal box that you get put in, and you're a creative thinker, and you're analytical, uh, uh, then what can happen is, is you could have just been inevitably set up for a future crisis of faith, where you begin to struggle with doubts. And that's why I think in the church today, we really need to choose our battles. I mean, Jesus died on one hill, and sometimes the church is dying on a thousand hills. And we need to really figure out um, 
what is it that we want for our members and how we, we want them to believe in Jesus. We want them to trust in this resurrection, but we also need to say, Hey, you know what? On things like, uh, there, there are issues like age of the earth and timing of the return of Christ and other things that we don't, we have to let people celebrate just the journey of thinking and not feel like they've done something wrong. If they're thinking outside of their particular denomination, denominational, uh, doctrinal passions. It's so funny that you mention one of those issues because my my book that I'm working on right now, my first book, is on the end times and the debate over the end times. And when I go in and I work on a chapter, <clears throat> my head is spinning by the time I'm done because it's so intense. <laughs> the debate is so intense, and you know, and I'm fascinated by it. Um, I'm looking at it as a journalist trying to sort of ask questions and figure out where people stand. But um, yeah, we we tend to. It seems like we get sort of hung up on these internal. Uh, theological battles, and some of them matter, and some of them don't. I mean, look, there was a story last week um, about a, about a group of pastors who were blessing an abortion clinic and and having this huge event. I mean, that's a very different issue than debating about the end times. I think for most Christians, um, you know, and and how you illustrate how you illustrate and deal with some of these issues, and, and you know, there are, are Christians have different views on on a lot of different issues, but I think trying to figure out how how do you how do you stay together and deal with all of these differences? And there are times where it is good to split and where you do see churches splitting out because they can't mm-hmm. come to a decision on really big issues. Um, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, some of these theological issues are big about marriage and, and other things. Sure. Um, so getting back to getting back to doubt, what do Christians, I think there are a lot of people, a lot of Christians who they're afraid almost to say that they're doubting because you start to question everything. Well, you know, and you, like you said, doubt is a normal part of life. So what do you say to those who might be secretly doubting? Yeah, I mean, one reason that some people might feel like they've never struggled with doubt, it's not because they're super deep. It could be because they're super shallow and they're not reading things that challenge their faith. I think anybody who's reading and growing uh, is going to feel some doubts at times about things, and that is part of the normal Christian journey. I think one of the things we need to realize is get a perspective of who Jesus is. I love the story about uh, John the Baptist. I mean, the cousin of Jesus, the one who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I mean, he was so bold. He obviously had some fashion issues and a weird diet. (laughs) But nevertheless, he was sold out. And I love the part where now he's in prison, he's on death row, and he slips into a bout with doubt. He sends his disciples off with his doubts. Go find out if Jesus is the Messiah. That lets us know, number one, that John was authentic and vulnerable with his followers. Um, And... You can imagine the followers walking up going, wait a second, uh, Mr. John, I thought you told us Jesus was the Messiah. Yeah, but just go make sure. So then they do, and then Jesus says, go tell John that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. In other words, he gives him evidence. So Jesus is operating like a good Christian apologist, saying, you know what, evidence of the Messiah in the Old Testament, it's happening through me. But then Jesus says to the crowd, behold, I tell you, no one has been born greater of a woman than John. Right on the heels of his doubts, Jesus doesn't freak out, Jesus doesn't panic, because he can tell the difference between authentic doubt and antagonistic doubt, sincere doubt and skeptical doubt. And the good news is, for those struggling with doubts, Billy, is Jesus can handle your doubts. And I mean, how do you grow if you don't doubt sometimes? I mean, look, I think I think every Christian, or most Christians who practice, who read, as you said, who they have those moments where they say, well, what if? You know, what if you die and this isn't what you thought it would be? What if there is no heaven? I mean, these are things that go through people's heads. I think they're afraid to say it. 
Um, I think the difference is, you know, for, for most, working through those doubts and finding answers in Christ and finding answers from mm. consulting pastors like you, um, you know, that seems to be what the majority do. But when that faith isn't deep, I would imagine it's much easier to allow those doubts to overtake you. Do you see that a lot in your ministry? I mean, have you seen a lot of people who, you know, they just, they don't have a deep rooting and they end up sort of slipping away from the faith? Well, you know, we try really hard at our church. I mean, I mean, I spent two years teaching through John, two years through teaching through Genesis. We do apologetic training. Um, so we really do try to be uh, proactive on equipping people. Um, and I'm thankful that I do feel like uh, in churches that will teach the Bible and equip people theologically, but not be overly rigid and legalistic, uh, they will see that their congregations will do better at surviving um, this kind of a culture. It's the mainline denominations. It's often the, the, those that don't teach and don't equip and don't instruct, where they'll see their followers are easily picked off by those who come along, uh, be it the new atheists or the Bart Ehrmans of the world, who will, you know, create um, just a bunch of questions for them to consider. But I do think those people who are struggling need the freedom to be able to talk about what it is that they're feeling. I mean, Billy, for me, it was agonizing. I am so thankful that I had a group of elders in a church that gives me room to be honest, because the, the fact is, is if we don't allow people to doubt, it's like you can talk about anything. Uh, you know, oh, I struggled uh, with this in my past, or I did this, but show up at a small group and say, you know, I was reading in the Bible this past week, and I just found myself struggling if that I could trust it. Well, there's a level of fear that Christians feel in going to that place, and I'm not saying let's celebrate it and let's just go that direction, but I am saying if you're really struggling with doubt, you need to get some help, and you need to talk about it. In the Church, unfortunately, uh, they they do not want to deal with our doubts, and I think it's because we feel threatened by it. We're scared about it. It makes us feel vulnerable. It raises what you're saying, those what-if questions, what if I'm wrong? And the reality is, is we need to be able to to, to let people be authentic, because people will feel fake. There's plenty of Christians that, that are struggling with doubts, and they go around other people that seem like they always got the happy, uh, you know, the smile on their face, and they can't relate, and they feel like they're forced into a life of inauthenticity because they have to act like they never struggle with doubts. And I think that's that. My final question for you. Um, how does the country find that mission statement, or determine that mission statement again, or... Is that not something, and I know that you're not, you know, Miss Cleo here, you don't know the whole future, so you can't project <laughs> out, but I mean, is, is this something that can be remedied? And if not, then what do we do? But, but if it can, how do we find it? Well, I, how the country is going to find uh, its mission statement, Billy, I, I don't know. I just, I honestly, I think there's so much confusion in our culture. You know, uh, we're going through a moral revolution, and morals work like this, that we take an issue like homosexuality, uh, and it goes from being rejected at one time, to being tolerated, to being accepted, to being celebrated, to then now rejecting very thing you once rejected, rejecting those that they don't agree. And moral issues tend to be on that trajectory, going from rejected to tolerated, to accepted, to celebrated, then to rejected. And uh, I think we're in a culture right now where we are rejecting uh, many of the values that are um, traditionally a part of the Church. And the Church is going to have to make a decision if they're going to reshape the values to fit in, to placate, 
or if they're going to hold fast. And I do think for the church, the future of the church is to live for Jesus Christ, to love God, to love others, to to, to, to not throw moral grenades at the culture, uh, but to live a godly, compelling life whereby the culture can see something different in us, where we whet their appetite, where they don't see us as harsh, judgmental, but they do see us as non-compromising. So I want to be the kind of guy that's compassionate, but without compromising my conviction. And I think that that's the way this board for the church. Compassion, uh, carry your convictions without compromising uh, at all. And I think that's what's going to be huge. Well, I love it. And I appreciate you taking the time. We're going to make sure we link out to the book and uh, we hope to have you back again soon. Thank you so much, Billy. I appreciate it, bud.